Before today's topic, a quick disclaimer. The stories and data we share come from the states that we practice in and the experiences we personally had, which can differ greatly across our country and certainly the globe. This is not a professional advice show. So get comfy and let's discuss death. Welcome to Mort Mike, a down-to-earth discussion on death and dying. I'm Jim. And I'm Red, and we are your evildoer entombers this week. It's always a national or global tragedy when we lose somebody who's left the world in better shape before they passed on. The Mother Teresas or the Gandhis of the world. The people whose karmic scale tipped in their favor for just being excellent to those around them. But what about the people who weren't so good? Neo-Nazis, cross-burners, and people who don't put shopping carts back in the return. They have to have funerals too, so what's it like planning a funeral for a bad guy? If it makes you feel better, Hitler didn't really have a funeral. He and Eva Braun were taken out of the bunker and just like burned pretty fairly unceremoniously. So they say. So they just say. <laughs> you know he's actually cryogenically frozen at Walt Disney with Walt Disney. So. Yeah, they're holding hands in the same, <laughs> same cryostat. <laughs> Um, no, but really it is like a really, I don't think people like think about this too much because, you know, when, when the bad guy dies, it's kind of like, all right, he's dead. Like, you know, no one really cares, cares anymore. Um, usually people don't care in general to even like, you know, attend the funeral or take care of the, the, the arrangements and things like this. So, you know, it really is kind of a big question, like what happens to these people they have to get to the same level of care that everyone else does right right exactly do you have any stories uh maybe about interacting with families or people like this i mean i i think anyone in the business has like you know periods where they come across certain you know individuals or certain um you know, certain families dealing with certain things i you know working in the medical examiner's office i especially um, in the area that I do work, there's a lot of, uh, I don't know how to say it a better way than like white supremacy and, you know, um, Confederacy flag waving people and a lot of gangs centered around that. So, you know, these guys come in and they're covered with like, uh, swastika tattoos or like, um, uh, like white supremacy gang symbols. And, you know, it's not. Uh, great like looking this up on google and being like oh that's what that means right um and i would say like the you know what we're going to talk about a little bit later is that you know i still have to do my job no matter what my like internalized opinions might be about uh what this person possibly was like in life um maybe the tattoos are old maybe i don't know blah 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 but you know i still have to do my job regardless of what they might have been like in life. I've definitely had my fair share of interactions uh, with, with types like that. Um, I remember mm-hmm. uh, having, I actually had worked a visitation for a young person that had gotten killed. And one of the people that attended the service uh, saw on the table a week later, 
Um, and based on the crowd that he was around, I could tell what kind of things he did in his spare time. And uh, after undressing, the guy had a nice amount of uh, swastika tattoos and all sorts of stuff. And it, it really does challenge you to, like, you know you have to do right by any person that you interact with like regardless of their beliefs like you still have to embalm them just as good you have to treat them just as good you have to treat their families just as good right but that was like the first year of like my funeral director career and like that really i was shooketh as the kids say (laughs) i didn't really know how to interact with that it's really hard and it's really difficult i think especially because like in the death industry like you are taking care of these people and you're there for them in like their hardest moments. But if they are like people that you don't agree with on like a moral base level, or they are bad people, that's like, it's weird. It's very hard. I think. Yeah. It's extremely unsettling. I had something else similar where like I had sat down with the widow to make arrangements for her husband and like she was super cool like she's like one of those punk rock grannies like got purple hair you know and uh, <laughs> she's like a biker family and she was like oh yeah my husband he did so much art he painted I'm like that would be amazing to display around the room like please bring in like a bunch of his artwork and um the family has started setting up and I come into the visitation room on the day of the services and I'm just like jaw drop like confederate flags painted everywhere they brought his motorcycle in they had like confederate flags like waving off the back of it and i was just like oh "Oh, but you were so cool (laughs) (laughs) i know and it's just like that's have you ever okay this is like an internet meme where it's like okay there was this guy at like a like a like a like a punk bar like a you Mm -hmm. know hole in the wall kind of bar and the bartender's like sees this new guy come in and sit down and the bartender looks at this new guy and he says nope get out get out you're not allowed here and the new guy was like come on man i just like sat down for a drink and then the bartender goes to tell the other guy that you didn't see that guy but all of his badges on his like vest and all of his tattoos were like white supremacy like swastika like uh neo-nazi stuff and it's like you got to get those guys out early because they come in they act nice they are normal people and then as soon as you know it like they're bringing all your friends and all of a sudden your punk bar is now a neo-nazi bar right exactly you can't give them a place to be like you have to stomp it out completely but you know that's not the case in death like in funerals because they these people died too and like you know we as professionals in the death industry we have to provide a space for them to grieve i think you know like to varying degrees that everyone kind of deserves that and like I just like it. It's so hard to say that because I don't want it to be true, but it's true. You yeah, know what I mean? Exactly. And because it does get it gets harder than that. Yeah. <laughs> for some, for yeah. some cases. For sure. Yeah. I think one of the one of the like toughest and just kind of like weirdly unsettling cases that I did, um, you know, as a death investigator and we I, I got called to a scene. Uh, older man probably in his like I don't know 50s or 60s he had like white hair he was found in his vehicle you know it was looking it was looking like a suicide we weren't entirely sure um there wasn't anything to suggest you know homicide but of course we always treat it you know you always when you're investigating you kind of always treat um 
something as a homicide until proven otherwise. So, you know, we're, you know, looking him up and bringing him in and, you know, going through his belongings in his car and stuff like this. And we're not really sure he had any family. Um, We're not really sure where he came from. The people that own the property said that he pulled up uh, the other day and they asked him like who he was. And he said he was just like lost or something. (laughs) It was very like a weird, vague sort of thing. Um, And then we're going through his belongings and we find a letter that he um, was being like summoned to court. Um, what are those called? He was served or something like this, right? Uh, what are those? Oh, what are those called? I watched so many crime shows. Subpoenaed? I don't want to say subpoenaed. At, at, so, yeah, he was subpoenaed. Okay. <laughs> he we're very professional. <laughs> he was uh, subpoenaed. Um, so the cops look him up, and it turns out that he was being. He's being called to court. He's being summoned to court for child pornography charges. So, yeah. So when you, you know, when I woke up as an investigator, I'm seeing this like, you know, little old man and, you know, probably committed suicide. And it's like, oh, man, that's really sad. Like, I wonder if he has any family. And then, you know, finding that out, it's like everything changes. It's like a total 180. And, you know, but, you know, the thing is, is that because you know, he was being summoned to court. He did. He's dead now. This was a really important a legal case that we had to do. And so I have to do my best job. And, you know, that includes um, taking care and um, being really observant and making sure that, you know, um, his body wasn't compromised in any way. Uh, the scene wasn't compromised in any way. I had to do my job really, really good for this really, really bad person. And that's just like how how it is for me in my job. And it's it's hard sometimes. It's definitely mm, it's you know, it's just it's hard to think about like how the situation could be put in like a positive light. You know what I mean? Yeah, honestly, like how did that develop? Like, did you ever hear anything about like his family, like and the services that he ended up having after the fact? No, he didn't. I I can't remember. It was so long ago, and I don't want to, you know, say anything um, identifying. But I, you know, he. I remember that he didn't really have any family. I think that eventually, maybe like a like a you know like a long lost cousin or nephew or brother in law or something like this came and picked him up. But I think it was really just like he because he was this person, and I'm sure if if, the, if this stuff came to light, I'm sure that no one no one really wanted to care for him but he did he did end up getting picked up he wasn't in our morgue for he was in there for a little long but not like he wasn't abandoned if you know what i mean yeah not like an indigent or anything yeah because i know that investigation and like doing the law side of things is one thing but then when you have family that is trying to have services have you had services that have been for someone who has done something this you know, terrible or bad or something like this? Uh, actually, we did. It was not a family that I took care of directly, but obviously with it being, like, high profile, uh, everyone in the company knows about it. Yeah. Um, so there was a there was a person that had murdered their three children, their spouse, their family pet, and then uh, committed suicide. Um, wow. All in, all in one go. And oh, my gosh. Yeah, that was... Oh, my gosh. That was a, that was a big in. <laughs> wow. Like, I, could, I mean, not to say that, like, the laws of human life isn't, like, tragic, but, like, to also kill the family pet, like, come I on. I know. <laughs> J- 
just a sidebar here it's always makes me so much more upset when i get like a suicide case and the pet has also been um, uh euthanized before the suicide that makes it much worse yeah but holy excuse me holy crap like (laughs) (laughs) and like that was such a like a, a tender like line to tread with that because there's obviously oh like gosh. parts of the family like the family members of the spouse and like of course they did not want to see him like they did yeah. not want him to be like I mean, obviously like I would feel the same way yeah. like that betrayal you know and but then there was other members of the family um, that wanted to see all of them so we had to be really creative with um, having the services granted they were private they were just for like immediate family and then they were having right, like a memorial service you know later right. on but um that's so like if if my uncle killed like my aunt and like all of her kids and the dog and then himself like i don't want to he just can't be there you yeah. would think that you know his family would you know take him to like a different funeral home but like i don't know that's so crazy to me but they were all yeah. at your your funeral all at the same one and yeah so wow. like parts of the family just went in to see just the kids and yeah. then we had like like a separation in the room where like we could move things pretty quickly and so like when the rest of the family come in like they actually wanted to see like the the spouses together you know so like i wow, just wow really i yeah i know it that's was, like i would have very conflicting feelings about that so as I. a professional yeah oh well, my gosh sure so did. would i yeah, yeah i i really I, I give big ups to the director that had to take care of that because, yeah. I mean, that's making, what, three, four, five, five arrangements in one day, first of all. That's yeah. a lot of arrangements to make yeah. in a day. And then, like, to coordinate something this large and to use the amount of empathy to be able to do it. Like, not that we aren't empathetic with every family, but, like, oh, my gosh, like, the emotional load that this would have It's so, just, like, a kid, just one kid in general is so much more emotionally taxing than, like, anything else. Oh, yeah. So to have, like, just that bag, oh, my God, that's so insane. Yeah. I can't, I'm speechless. Like, I can't even say anything about it. Yeah, I I mean, like, I I hope I don't ever have to do an arrangement for something like this someday, but... (laughs) I mean, you know, like, unfortunately, in America, like, stuff like this happens, Mm -hmm. and it's, like you know yeah like it has to be dealt with like it's not just like oh this terrible thing happened and now i'm turning off the news and i don't have to think about it anymore it's like no we got to deal with it now right exactly so in situations like that i mean there's always news trying to you know sniff around and that's always a really tough thing too uh, especially when something is so large and so like in the media have you ever had issues with cases like that where it's just it's so high profile that i mean everyone's got a hold of it or you have to like be secretive about it or yeah i mean you know in in my job i'm dealing with you know i'm at the 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 um scene of the crime usually and it's you know fresh and i'm dealing with the cops and like if it's very if it's you know I'm like in a small kind of rural area. If it's a murder, like the news is going to be there. And we're kind of trained actually to not talk to them because, you know, we're not um, professionals and we're not of any sort of authority. Like we're representing the medical examiner. So it's really the medical examiner who should be talking to the news or deciding with the police what details need to be released and stuff like this. Um, but you know, like I said, from like a small rural setting, like I don't really, I haven't really, fortunately I haven't really had any like, you know, crazy stuff like, uh, 
that one family like happen too much. Um, but one thing that does come to mind, and we talked about this on our last episode, is um, the Las Vegas massacre that I talked about. Um, just like short, there was a, a gunman um, who um, opened fire on a country music festival outdoors on the Las Vegas Strip and killed um, around 50, 60 people. Um, 30 people were dead on scene immediately. And just so the, and I heard a lecture from the um, chief medical examiner of Las Vegas who, you know, was talking about how he dealt with, you know, the the media and the news and how he dealt with, you know, all the families and all the bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, he had, and the, um, the, the, um, individual i don't know what the right word murderer is that the right word terrorist the The terrorist (laughs) the the shooter um the shooter uh killed himself um as well so it was you know he is also a body that needs to be dealt with and i think that's something that people don't think about so you have these you know 50 60 bodies that are being kept in a disaster morgue which we also talked about on our last episode so you know a cooler all like kind of crammed in there and then you also have the person that caused all of this you have their body there too and you have to store it too and i think a lot of people would have like a moral dilemma about that it's like the person that killed all of these people is here like with them in the same room and it's like very i think there was a lot of um tension about that he did kind of um tell us that the employees kind of devised a way to sort of section him off from everyone else um just to like make themselves feel better and kind of you know block him out and i think that's i think that's just how people cope and i think it's you know appropriate considering the circumstances but you know it's just thinking about okay, well, they have to do autopsies on, like, all of these bodies. They have to, you know, um, take care of these bodies for the family and get them out, and there's so much chaos and so much work to be done. And then they also have to have the provide the same services, provide the same job for the man that caused all of this. And that's, I don't know. It's just, it's very, very hard. But, I mean, because it's our job and it's what, you know, we have to do, like, we have to do it. And they did. They did do what they had to do and, you know, it just it just is what it is like i don't know i think we're so used to like <clears throat> bad people being segregated out of like polite society you know like in jail mm-hmm. like bad people go to jail like bad people aren't in the like good parts of society and like yeah. for both parties to end up the victim and the murderer to end up at the same place be in the same morgue like mm-hmm. share the same air it just like it's hard to think about. It's hard. Yeah, I mean, it's like was, unnatural. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Honestly, if I was a family member, like I would have been like kind of upset actually, even to know that like yeah. my loved one who was murdered was like three tables away from a murderer that yeah. like, killed them. You know, yeah. like it, there's almost but, like no good way to feel about this. <laughs> yeah, but you know, because of like you know the law and because of policies and like space, like you just it's just how it is. Like mm-hmm. you can't have this guy in a separate cooler all by himself like that's not how the medical examiner's office works you know right you still have to follow laws you can't just burn them you can't just you know yeet him off a bridge or something like there's still this proper channels to go through to you know have a disposition for somebody 
Yeah. And not all of those dispositions end up being, you know, like a, a public affair. So I have a, a one of my not favorite stories to tell, but something that blindsided me enough that it's one of the first stories I tell as an icebreaker to people. Really? <laughs> um, so I was I was messing around. I uh, kind of slow day. I went to the care center just to, you know, shoot the shoot the bull with with my embalmer friends. And I saw this like big old stuffed penguin, like a big old like stuffed animal uh, on top of like a cremation, like an alternative container. And I go oh. over there, I'm like, Ooh, I want to play with this penguin. And um, <clears throat> the, the apprentice at the time was like, Oh yeah, check out uh, check out the rest of the stuff that the family brought in, and like you know, take the penguin out of the bag. And I start to like rifle through this stuff. This sounds so disrespectful. <laughs> this is like normal like (laughs) i promise and so yeah i'm I'm going through all of the stuff that they brought in and like i pull start pulling stuff out i'm like oh why why do they got these like why are they having him cremated with his graduation rooms and i start pulling out more stuff i'm like what a weird hat and then all of a sudden it just it hits me oh no that these green silken robes are the robes of a kkk member and not just any kkk member a grand dragon (laughs) oh my god (laughs) yeah so i immediately like i just having had touched something with just the iconography of hatred just like made me feel dirty and i immediately drop them back onto the alternative container and i'm like are y'all y'all serious right now like this dude's a kkk grand dragon and uh yeah they were like yep the family wanted us to dress him in the robes to be cremated in like in the whole nine yards and oh my god i just like i uh, what (laughs) (laughs) that's just like absolutely like i i mean i i can't i can't put myself like in in these people's shoes like i don't understand like why you would ever want this to be a thing but like i because oh. <laughs> not only was obviously this a, a very bad man, his family yeah. wanted to honor that in yeah. death for him. Yeah. And yeah. like that just, I mean, we did it. We did. We dressed him in the robes to be cremated in. But I guess the one, you know, good side of that is that they're just being burned. So yeah. <laughs> like they I deserve mean, to be. Yeah. Right, so that's kind of like a weird silver line, yeah, right? But I mean, come on, like silky green robes and like the title of Grand Dragon. It, that's it's, not. Are you kidding me? Yeah, it's <laughs> that was a lot, and like so the whole thing was like um, the funeral home that they they had the services out of. It was just a, one of our direct cremation storefronts, mm-hmm, and so like this mm-hmm. family like had just come in for the cheap cremation, like just now. This is the thing: it hands this bag of stuff. Yeah. to uh, like the admin it was just like yeah we just want him to wear all of this stuff like whatever doesn't go over what's in it we didn't like document it at the time until it uh-huh. got to the care center so like the admin that sent all the stuff with the body uh, had no idea what was in there until like she gets a call from the care center and it's like oh um God. that's kind of funny <laughs> that it sounds like the family was kind of like maybe a little bit ashamed like maybe didn't want to say it out loud yeah and maybe then they're just like here put this stuff on him please right like, we exactly don't, we don't want to tell you that well, this is what we're doing but <laughs> oh my goodness like we weren't gonna find out and be like mm, sus. 
I just I I just can't like with some people I just can't you know I just like had this thought do you think that this is like a common thing for like like southern uh funeral homes where this is like you know I, I I thought about that a lot when writing this episode um in places where like the common thought processes are like more racist or mm-hmm. like g- gang activity and stuff like are there funeral homes that are like yeah okay you know this is the funeral home you go to if you're muslim this is a funeral home you go to if you are a kkk member you know I like know. <laughs> yeah because we talked about in the previous episode i think that funeral homes are kind of based on belief systems segregated in that sort of way i don't want to use the word segregation but you know they are and, you know, I, I, that's kind of how we have, we like totally talked about this in a different episode, but we have, you know, black funeral homes and white funeral homes. And, um, it's kind of not becoming that way anymore, which is a good thing, but, you know, funeral homes are based on like religious beliefs because that's, you know, community and that's how people like, um, handle each other's deaths and like culture and stuff like this. So I could, I was like wondering if that was a thing maybe is like, is there like, whites i don't want to say is there white supremacy funeral homes in like the south that'll like oh you know that funeral home on the corner they'll take you know racist grandpa joe because they're okay with that kind of stuff you know it's just very like cultures man it's so weird it's super weird yeah and like being in a place that like there's the culture counterculture being by any metropolitan area it also got me thinking like where where can you draw the line as a death care professional, like when are we allowed to say no to a family? Are we even like legally allowed to, you know, those, those Mm -hmm. were questions that kept getting brought up while Mm -hmm. I was like thinking about all these stories. Mm -hmm. I mean, for, for myself as a more medical professional, um, I would say for any medical professional, like I don't think that you can say no, like, you know, I can't, show up to uh, a scene of death and like see that this guy has swastika swastika tattoos and be like, Oh no, I'm not doing this. See you guys. Like, bye. (laughs) I don't, I don't think that I can do that. I would probably get fired. I would lose my job. True. Um, You know, unless it was something that was like so offensive to me and I had an understanding supervisor, then maybe, but like, it's not like legally. I don't think I can like refuse service because of things like this. Sure. And, like, I, I heavily debated uh, back and forth with myself after, like, conjuring up all these stories from my past and listening to other directors' experiences. And, um, like, my, my company's, like, one of their mottos is that we serve any family no matter what. And it's a policy I generally like because it protects a lot of people who've been, like, marginalized for forever. Mm-hmm. Um, like, families like that choose abortion, uh, LGBTQ folks, like, people like that. Mm-hmm. But... At the same time, then it also protects those that have less savory belief systems. Now, granted, like I've not really had a family sit across from me and ask for like a cross burning in full KKK regalia <laughs> to be part of their loved one's services or anything, but mm-hmm, I feel mm-hmm. like there's like a fine line that needs to be tread at some point. Mm-hmm. Even like like you said, the the family that brought like the all the Confederacy flag paintings and decorations. It's like, what if one of your visitation staff was like black like you know like from a from a business perspective you don't want like a client's negative beliefs to reflect on your company but if you are to turn away a customer for what they believe in you might have a bunch of like white hoods marching on your front lawn you know so it's like it's 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 very um 
it's it's very fine line. It's it's like it's like that one scene from Borat too, uh, where he's at the bakery and he asks them to make an anti-Semitic cake. Uh, mm-hmm. And I don't know if this was like a staged, you know, thing or not for for funsies or for jokesies. Uh, but do we do we hate the player? Or do we hate the game at that point? You know, do we yeah. do we hate the person who asked them to do the service, or do we hate the like business for fulfilling the thing? You know. Well, that's what I was like talking about earlier with that you know guy from a punk bar who's like throwing out um, neo Nazis before they even do anything bad because it's like you can't have those people in here or else you know they're gonna bring all your friends and all of a sudden you're a neo Nazi bar. Right. And it's like kind of like okay if you. Um, serve a certain kind of people and then it gets out in their community that you know you're cool with it it's like is that okay like is is that you know is it is it okay to then you know turn down like say if you did have someone that was like oh we're gonna have a kkk rally for my grandpa's funeral like i don't like i don't i don't know can you say no like if someone asked you that as funeral director would your like like business allow you to say no and at that point, like, I'm honestly so fortunate that I've not had to face any extreme, extremely tenuous topics like this head on that have made me like I've been like I've been uncomfortable for sure. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, mm-hmm. like I've heard politics being brought up and all sorts of things that make me uncomfortable. But I'm sure that there's going to be one day that my own beliefs are challenged and mm-hmm. I'm going to have to make that decision to either put my client family first or like swallow my pride and just step back and honestly just ask another director to take over like that's I think what I would do I would just be like I'm sorry I can't serve you it doesn't mean our funeral home can't but I personally mm-hmm. cannot serve you and I would hope that my owner would have my back on that at least that you know we could still care for them I just can't yeah I know it's just like it's such a weird thin hard like line you know to be like walking all around all the time we kind of saw it in too with um COVID like the especially in certain areas like having, you know, funerals are large gatherings and having the masking policies and, you know, anti-maskers and people not wanting to, you know, honor the the funeral home policy and stuff like this. You know, I read, I know you saw a lot of that. It's kind of like similar, you know, if you have a whole family that's like anti-mask and, you know, you're trying to protect yourself or, you know, protect your um, employees or people that you work with. It's like where do you just let them do what they want because they're grieving or do you like, is there like a line that needs to be drawn? Right. Exactly. For protection. Sometimes you have to do what's best for others, even though they don't want to do it for themselves. Yeah. But yeah, that we definitely, that's a, I'm, I'm happy that you brought that up because that is like a taste of what this, this kind of is, is just like, I, I'm still getting flack for like mask stuff. Cause I still personally choose to wear a mask at work and I got a yeah. negative review on the google about it like, <laughs> it's ridiculous oh my goodness i know it's just like oh gosh you guys are still not over this huh <laughs> <Right>. exactly <laughs> it's hard to keep our professionalism when we're staring down someone we consider unjust or evil i try to remember stories of jewish and poc doctors and nurses treating patients with hate symbols emblazoned in tattoos and saving the patient's life even though their convalescence beliefs don't even value them as people In situations like this, in your workplace, in your daily life, what would you do? And that's all for this week on Mort Mike. We'd love to connect with you guys on our socials. Like, follow, and subscribe to us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube at Mort Mike Podcast. That's M-O-R-T-M-I-C-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. It would mean a lot to hear your feedback, so please tell us what you think in a comment, and drop us a rating on whatever podcast hosting site that you use. 
you have any suggestions on topics you'd like to hear about or burning questions you might have about death, shoot us an email at mortmikepodcast at gmail.com. I also want to give a huge thank you to our friend Marcin for the use of his song titled Deputies of Death, which he produced just for our show. You can check out his Bandcamp at Marson, that's M-A-R-S-O-N, music.bandcamp.com. Thanks, Marcin. And be sure to tune in on the first Thursday of every month for more casual discussions on death. Thank you so much for listening. This has been Mort Mike. Bye. Bye. <laughs>